lovers, this is Dr. Candace Nicole with How to Love a Human. You can follow me and the How to Love a Human Project on Facebook and Instagram at Dr. Candace Nicole and HowToLoveAHuman.com, where I welcome your contribution to the conversation. Today, I'm dialoguing with Harris, and I appreciate all you lovers out there for taking this journey with me to discover how to love a human. Hey, everyone. Today on How to Love a Human, I am with Harris Tay. Hey, Harris. How's it going? Hey, how you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm just happy for this opportunity to share how to be human. Um, you know, it's, it's funny that this is, it's funny that you gave us this opportunity to, to talk about it. Um, you would think we talk about this more often, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I don't think anyone's asked me about my humanity in quite some time. Wow. And that's a question uh, like that we should be asking. And a lot of people have said, you know, these are some questions no one's ever asked me in my entire life. And I'm just like, man. Well, I'm happy that I get to be the one to have the conversation with you today. Indeed, indeed. So I'm going to first start with my non-researchy question. Mm-hmm. Are you feeling human or human AF, human as fuck? <laughs> um, today, I will say human AF. Um, this is, you know, it's funny when I think about, so I work in diversity and inclusion mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, one of the things I talk about is uh, like non-visible disabilities and, um, you know, people that are temporarily abled and really looking at the whole gamut of diversity and inclusion. And today is a non-med day for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, you getting raw, unfiltered Harris. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it, it's so funny because I'm interacting with people and like I feel like I'm like exploding you know, with, um, with energy today. And, and there's nothing negative about, um, the, the other way when I am on my meds, but today is just a day where I'm just kind of, you know, just, just, I guess, fresh and uncut. Gotcha. So. so something about being uncut, unfiltered, fresh, non-medicated feels human as fuck. Right. right. Gotcha. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. How do you differentiate between the two? Like, what is it like when you're an in a day where you feel human? Well, you know, a lot of it, and it might not even just be the meds, it may also just be a degree of double consciousness. You know, um, W.B. Dubois, how he talks about um, us having, you know, um, two selves. Mm-hmm. And um, today is a day off. It's a day of connecting with a friend. And, um, you know, we had some history uh, as it pertains to like podcasts. So, you know, some of this is even nostalgia yeah. of just kind of an opportunity to be unfiltered with a good friend, uh, someone who's trusted and, and, uh, also someone I'm, I'm proud of. Oh, thank you. You got this going on. Life is, you know, uh, superfluous. You know? Like all <laughs> of that. I'm just happy to be in this space. Yeah. You, right? <laughs> it's a good, it's a good time. So, yeah. I'm excited about it because the questions that we might discuss here today are things we kind of took the circuitous route to get to in other conversations, maybe. And it's going to be a lot more direct. And And the platform is great because the work you do, and I want you to tell us about that a little bit more, but the work you do 
maps onto this so well. And so I think people need to hear about that. Okay. Uh, So now's the time. Go for it. Mm -hmm. Well, again, my name is Harris Tay. Uh, My official position, I do diversity and inclusion with the United Methodist Church in the uh, kind of the Midwest, West Ohio region. Uh, in an area where it is predominantly white. Um, I think in our last survey, we found out we were about 96% white. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then in a mission field is what we would consider is about 75% of Ohio. Uh, That is, you know, at best 70% white. Uh, And uh, so if anything, it just shows we have, we're missing out on a lot of opportunities to see uh, for discipleship making, mm-hmm. our uh, our motto with the United Methodist Church, or you know, our our mission, our charge, we call it the Great Commission, is uh, making disciples for Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as you can imagine, um, even though we're doing it in a wonderful way, and and I would still say in a diverse way, we're missing out on many opportunities for authentically making mm. disciples mm-hmm. relationships and building communities and all that we believe in. So yeah, you know, it's, it's an awesome opportunity uh, to have an authentic approach to diversity and inclusion uh, and for it to connect to my faith tradition, mm-hmm. uh, identify as Christian. Uh, so, um, and I guess another part of it is, uh, so on the side, I also do consulting, um, my company is Align Performance, mm-hmm. and I do like life coaching as well as uh, diversity and inclusion work. And part of why that's refreshing is just the level of intersectionality that I have. I have an opportunity to kind of pull people. Well, first off, I have an opportunity to see things from a, a very unique perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm Panamanian, West African, um, but not but and born in Baltimore Mm -hmm. so grew up being viewed as black yep (laughs) you know you black Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's it full stop (laughs) full stop Uh, but then having all these experiences that subconsciously reinforced my otherness Mm -hmm. um, so it just really gave me the opportunity to um, really be a gapper and Mm. my whole life I've been pulling people together but now, through the lens of diversity and inclusion, and even, I would say, management, uh, being able to help people work better together and, you know, really just be better humans to each other. Right. So you've already kind of traversed into the next question I was going to ask you, which is perfect transition. Share your most salient identities with me. Mm. You said... You know, you identify as West African and Panamanian, as Christian. You can build on those or you can go into other ones that might be more salient. Mm, interesting. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in a unique space. Uh, I've really been working real hard to embrace the intersectionality. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I love around all this work now people are doing around millennials and uh what's after millennials i don't know i, I didn't I, even I, know i was a millennial until like last week i thought i was something else so yeah so the people younger than us uh, <laughs> humans that are younger than us uh, <laughs> not selling myself very well right now but um but there's this whole piece around just authenticity and uh, someone told me 
uh, authenticity is the new green. Mm. Uh, and, and I really like that. And there's just this thing about owning our authentic selves. So mm-hmm. um, uh, if you would ask me this question maybe a year ago, I probably would have leaned on black and everything that black encompasses. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I'm actually leaning more into the intersection. Yeah. Um, the intersection itself um, be my salient identity. And what I mean by that is uh, it's very fluid. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't speak Spanish, uh, but if you come with me to my family reunion, there's no question about my, <laughs> my Hispanic culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, same thing uh, with my West African culture. So, you know, depending on where I am, who I'm around, and uh, what I'm contributing to the space is who I am at that moment. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of boldly owning the the nebuli, the nebuli, uh, what is it uh, the nebulous nebulous okay. yeah nebuli I can't say it no, <laughs> uh, but we'll stick with uh, intersectionality right um, but you know it's also interesting I would say a big part of it is who I uh, who I have to be to survive in white spaces mm, say more about that. Uh, so, I mean, you know, we are very aware of, um, well, many people are very aware around the work of W. E. Boyce, and he talks about this double consciousness, uh, but there is a mask that uh, we have to put on, um, which is interesting because with European culture uh, or Eurocentric culture, there is, there's a, how could I say it, uh, there is an appreciation for what is considered authentic, but it is a certain type of authenticity hmm. that is expected. And uh, to to function in that space, there is a very high context, meaning, uh, you know, there's some cultural norms that they just, that there's just an expectation that you adapt to. And um, I'm in a space living in the Midwest where that adaptation is... It's it's a survival mechanism. Yeah, yeah. We can champion uh, being unique, but being unique is only championed until you really, until you crash into the culture. Gotcha. And, uh, and once you crash into that culture, uh, people let you know. Oh, oh, that's a little too unique. <laughs> and it may not even be in words. Exactly. Oh, yeah. I mean, actually, very seldom. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, another part of my identity is uh, growing up on, in, in Baltimore and D.C. Uh, you know, uh, Midwest is very a very different culture. Uh, a, a big part of my work is how do we talk about differences without putting a judgment to it? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it's just very different. Um, there's a certain directness that I'm used to. Yeah. That just isn't really part of the culture here. Um, I don't know if I could tie that to, to race. Um, but or more so just regionalism and, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's just who I have to be in this space to be able to get the word around diversity and inclusion out. So a quick example, you know, the, the methodology I like to use is out of Bennett's model of, um, intercultural competence. And they believe the only way that you pull somebody along to become more inclusive is to meet people where they are. Mm. 
which is very countercultural from, you know, original ways around anti-racism, which was very, you know, um, well, anti-racism is about agitating and mm-hmm. disruption. Yeah. Disruption. So what we do is we really push people where they are taking out the judgment. Um, but you can imagine that that means the the hard part is knowing everything I know, experiencing everything I experienced and having to put that part of me to the side to help this person come along. Hmm. Uh, it is a professional skill at this point. It is. It's a, it's a space that I have to navigate um, more than I can uh, genuinely just be Harris. You know what stood out to me about what you said was that there is a certain type of authenticity that's accepted in white culture. And I don't see that. I don't see authenticity as a cultural norm or as a preference in white culture. So I'm wondering what would be the type that you see from your vantage point and your intersectional identities that is welcome? Because I know what types are not. (laughs) Well, it also depends on where you are. Mm -hmm. That's why I also called out regionalism. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, um, I think in, so, uh, again, now now we're getting kind of academic, but, you know, they talk about high context cultures, Mm -hmm. low context, Mm -hmm. you know, power distance. Uh, So if you're, I, I would think Americans you know, we're kind of in the middle when we talk about power distance. Um, but I really believe that it, we're, we're definitely more high context than we think we are. I know, Maybe. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like we like to say that we're, we're very flat, mm-hmm. you know. Well, well, we're, yeah. And in white culture, I think especially, you know, hey, call me by my first name. Yeah. The more formal you are, the less... Um, you know, the the more formal you are, the more distance that you're showing that there is between us. However, um, there's still an expectation of formality that um, that you want me to follow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you want me to follow the unwritten formality. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's so real. You know, and and again, you know, the argument could probably made, be made that that's the case, kind of across the board. Um, but, uh, the, you know, the way I'm informal around, especially around other intersectional people, you know, people who are mixed, which, you know, quick side, I think, uh, people who are mixed, it, well, we know that is, is the highest growing population mm-hmm. yep. uh, um, in our culture. And I don't think we're giving enough time and attention to thinking about what does it mean to cater to people who are in this kind of nebulous space I can say yeah, it now there you go uh, <laughs> uh, alright quick sidebar can I ask you a question yep go for it you know there's this whole like natural hair revolution going on right now does it feel revolutionary It. alright so here's the thing I think it is because of media and okay. I promise it'll all connect I promise just follow me with this and you can ask me this if I'm completely wrong pull me back and edit it out uh, <laughs> do you think natural hair is being more accepted now because of the, the amount of mixed people that are needing uh, these natural hair care products? Mm. I had never considered it like that. I think it's the way I experience it is that it's more accepted because there's been some 
unapologetic acceptance, self-acceptance and radical self-acceptance and litigation coupled with that when people decide that you can't wear an afro to a school and some public accountability so like that combination of like affirmation and self-acceptance public accountability and litigation I think have made natural hair more widely accepted and, and, and more visible in, than I've ever seen in my lifetime. But well, I, I, was just, I was just wondering, because I mean, when you think about, I mean, any, any cultural shift that's happening, uh, you know, especially in America, when you think about, you know, even the percentage of people of color versus, um, you know, um, I mean, uh, you know, let's say just white, white, non-white, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's always a degree of allies, quote unquote, that have to come to for there to be a dramatic shift. Right, right. And it, and it usually is connected to people saying, oh, I get it. And I just wonder how much of, hey, that's my granddaughter. Uh, I, mm. you know, I came up wearing ponytails. Why can't she wear a ponytail? Gotcha. Uh, that has people saying now, you know, people in leadership, people in power, like, oh, wait, no, this is serious. And, you know, this is a little bit more serious and and the whole thing about adapting, it's not this foreign thing to adapt to. It's actually in people's homes now that it hasn't been in their homes. Hmm. Yeah. And, you know, grandparents, again, with, you know, makes kids who are wondering, how come I can't find these products for my children? Gotcha. This should be front and center. Yeah, I'm just wondering. Just I, wondering. I had never considered it that way. I hadn't even thought about it. But, you know, that's because I'm not biracial or mixed in any way. And so that wouldn't be on my mind unless somebody pointed it out to me in the way that maybe it should be. Mm. Well, what, what about other identities that you may not have mentioned? What you said was that something about the intersection of all your identities is really the most salient part. You talked about being differently abled or invisibly disabled. You talked about race and nationality and ethnicity. Um, what about things like, age and sexuality and gender identity and things like that oh yeah i mean well again i'm on the very very fringe of being a millennial i'm 34 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so uh so so that's a part of it um i'm a father i yeah. have uh, two two very smart and beautiful young ladies <laughs> uh yeah they're four and one. Oh my goodness <laughs> uh, i'm married yeah uh, so, so that plays into my identity. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty solidly middle class. Um, I am heterosexual, and I realize the the uh, privilege that comes along with that. Yeah, uh, heterosexual and Christian, mm-hmm. which uh, together gives another level of um, privilege. Yeah. Um, I mean the the list goes on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all the way down to I have, you know, I have a vehicle. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know? um, so you know, I again, especially when you do when you do work around diversity and inclusion and equity, you you just your eyes open up to uh, to all the things you really just have access to. Yeah, and I think you know my ability to have access to so much is is what gives me the um, I guess what's, what what gives me so many intersections. And I think that's 
such a good point in perspective because when people are doing this work and they're not acknowledging and owning their own privileges, you miss an opportunity to meet people as human. Like the fact that you can name heterosexual identity and Christian identity and maleness and married, you know what I mean? All of those things that are common ground among privileged people. It's a way that when you use that term, meet people where they are, it's a way you can do that and be like, these are some areas where I still consider myself privileged and have to work actively to think about what that means in this society. Well, I mean, let's be honest, children, yeah. um, you know, I'm also empathic. I'm an empath. Mm-hmm. That is something that I've realized is a huge uh, part of my personality as well. And I have to justify letting people down. Mm. Uh, some mm-hmm. of my own work, but I'll tell you this: having kids is the greatest excuse in the world. <laughs> uh, you know, oh, I'm an introvert. That's another. Thing. Yeah, that's so, major. You know, if I need to leave at eight, the babies. Oh man, getting that the the lack of judgment that comes because you're, a, and I hate to say it, a man going yep. to help take care of his kids. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I get a golden ticket to leave and a gold star. <laughs> right. <laughs> the same thing. I don't know if she did that same stuff. <laughs> so I'm going to be. Know, Go ahead. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's really important to um, to be able to, to acknowledge it and to understand the shame and, and, and to. I don't know if I understand the shame's word. To. Uh, to acknowledge it and understand how some people could be offended um, by if some people are offended by the term privilege mm-hmm. you know like I haven't worked for it uh, you're trying to say I haven't worked for X, Y, and Z um, where I try to embrace it because I look at it as by being able to understand my privilege the it also gives me the privilege to connect with people better mm-hmm. um, because now I can empathize, which is a value to me. Uh, and, and I can create authentic relationships. If the value is around authentic relationships and um, seeing people as, as full people, mm. then your, your privilege actually, and, and you being willing to, um, uh, you know, I don't know how much privilege you can give up, but right. your willingness to, um, let, let's just say expose, yeah. uh, or be aware of the exposure of your privilege uh, helps you connect authentically with others. Right. So I'm going to jump around just a little bit. What does love mean to you? Mm. For me, uh, love is, it's all about submission. Mm. Um, Break that down for me. So for me, true love is not about, true love is all about how adaptable you are willing to be to your partner. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you have to have this trust factor that that person won't abuse your willingness to adapt. And uh, and I think that that is, you know, I, I, I really believe that, that people's biggest fear and, and people's biggest... Um, I guess block from experiencing true love is, you know, I don't want to be taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. So you first have to develop a real clear sense of self, like to be, to, to, to truly get everything that love offers. 
I think you have to have first a real, uh, even a developing uh, concept of, of self-respect. Um, and then you have to have a deep commitment to the work of vulnerability. Gotcha. Break that down. The deep commitment to the work of vulnerability. Because I've been thinking about vulnerability in some really different ways over the past few years and how it aligns with, for me, my femininity and embracing that part of myself. But I, I love when men start to talk through vulnerability and what that means in the context of love And I think about love, I'm thinking about love broadly in a social justice context as the core of what social justice should be. But relationally, intimately, romantically, familially, all of those ways vulnerability can be. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I think whichever way you're experiencing it, the most potent and the most regular, Mm -hmm. you know, that's your practice field for the rest of yeah, that's real. <laughs> so, so in my experience, it, it really would be between you know my wife and children, uh, and you know the lessons that I learned, and especially you know another thing about having children, which kind of makes it this um, sorority, uh, <laughs> is it, children teach you a couple of things. They teach you one that people are born with their personalities. Uh, <laughs> that's something that I didn't know. <laughs> Like, oh, wow, a big part is uh, nature over nurture. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, you know, what does it mean to have just this vulnerable entity that you are responsible for? Mm. And um, so I take that as a lead, you know, for better or for worse, for how I interact with other people. Yeah. You know, um, what role, you know, if we're all, if we all consider ourselves responsible for each other. Uh, and being vulnerable enough to be in that space. Um, what does it mean to show that amount of grace? Um, so I, I guess another another metaphor I could use, uh, you know, in the Bible, they talk about the peaceable kingdom in Isaiah, where you have the wolf laying with the lamb, and they mm. give all these examples of, you know, a creature that's powerful and a, a creature that is powerless or, or has less power. And my philosophy around love and humanity is built around this, where it's like, you know, it is the wolf's nature to devour the lamb. Hmm. And it's in the lamb's nature to, you know, (laughs) essentially to be afraid of the wolf, to Mm -hmm. run to the wolf, to protect itself from the wolf. So it's a divine act for people to go against their nature. So, it, it, it's an act of God for the wolf to say, even though, quote unquote, I have every right, whether you believe in Darwinism or, mm-hmm. or survival of the fittest, I am going to forego um, that to be in harmony with the lamb. And for the lamb to have enough um, courage, for the mm-hmm. lamb to uh, have enough trust, uh, because, you know, the, the power never leaves the wolf. Right, right. You know, so in some ways, the lamb is more powerful in, um, I guess, you know, having this this fortitude of who they are to be in a vulnerable space, but to trust that they won't be victimized. Mm. You know? um, and, you know, of course, they're predators to the to the wolf and there's there's, um, you know, there are things that to the lamb, they may be, you know, the, the quote unquote alpha. So. All that's to say is 
my goal is to make this metaphor of the peaceable kingdom no longer just kumbaya you know that that's nice but to actually say okay what does it mean to live into that Mm -hmm. uh for in places where i have power to give up power and the places where i'm weak uh to actually um give trust and to to love intentionally and then at what point do we understand what the what the the lion loses when it eats or takes advantage of somebody's vulnerability. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause I think when we think about power, it seems like there's always a sacrifice. When I, we talk about privilege, you have to give this up or it's a sacrifice, but at, isn't there something to be gained from, from making a choice to be humane? Well, that's the peaceable kingdom. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I use this, I guess, in, in womanist theology, they had this term called, the you know, kin, family, mm-hmm. you know, um, that's what's to be gained, community, mm-hmm. a loving village. Uh, and if there's value for the village, then um, everyone can prosper. There's an abundance in this life for us all. Yeah. And that it's lonely as heck being the person that's at the top of the food chain. Yeah. So that makes sense to me. That desire for village, that creation of community. Yeah, absolutely. And what? I mean, I also have a background as a community organizer. So, even when I use the term weak, I never really believe that anyone is weak. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but uh, but I have seen systems crush. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and, you know, growing up in Baltimore, I've seen people crush. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But, you know, when you organize, uh, when you are aware of the power that is in community, uh, there's, I mean, that's love. Yeah. But that's what, that's the possibility of love. The power of community is one of the possibilities of love. Mm-hmm. Mm, mm-hmm. What would the world be like if it loved you? If it loved humans who had intersectional mixed race ethnic ethnic identities men who are married and identified as black and all of the intersections that make you you what would the world be like if it loved you oh lord i don't know you, you're giving me a lot of credit about self-awareness um, <laughs> <laughs> what would the world be like you know it's funny i, I that has never been a desire. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I um, so again, especially being married, I, I'm gonna go on a quick aside. Go ahead. So mm-hmm. when I first was dating my wife, there were certain things that, you know, like I thought that she should do or, you know, to quote unquote, you know, be, be wife worthy. Mm-hmm. Or <laughs> and uh, I remember I used this metaphor one time or analogy uh, saying, all right, if, if if we got married and then I wanted to get a divorce and we went on Judge Judy and I was like, you know, I want a divorce because she didn't do X, Y, and Z. And she asked me the question, well, did she do that before you was married? Mm. Like, you know, Judge Judy would kick me out of that court and, and, and tear me another one. You know, like, <laughs> that's the logic that I went into being married, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but what ended up happening was we both became different people as we both 
decided to be vulnerable with each other and to to allow each other to be authentically themselves. Mm-hmm. So there was a level of love that my perceptions uh, was blocking me from. Mm, okay. So I, I, I use this story to say, um, you know, if everyone was like me, uh, the only thing, only part that I could hold on to is um, it would be a world of optimists. <laughs> yeah, uh, a world it, of optimists. Mm-hmm. It, it would be a world of optimists, a world of people who are like, you know, I, even though I might not be so sure, I, I, I empathize with your core and I believe in the best of you. Um, so we're going to try to work this out. We gotcha. Gonna, we're going to uh, so, so it'll be a lot of people who are just kind of like, hey, let's give this a shot. <laughs> a willingness to try to go for it, mm-hmm, to connect. Now, I don't know how much we'll accomplish because, you know, community organizing is real slow. <laughs> <laughs> is it? Is it slow? <laughs> it's so slow. It's so slow. Uh, so, you know, it, it, we'd be a real laid back world. Mm, okay. You're very laid back, but we'd be authentic. AF. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People would be able to be themselves. That would be welcome and accepted. And so we'd see more of it. Mm-hmm. But I think what you might be speaking to, correct me if I'm wrong, is that some level of unacceptable, like some level of humanity saying these things are unacceptable propels people to do things a little quicker or differently. I I would agree. Okay. Because I, uh, I mean, so um, you know, one of my one of our mutual friends. I don't know if I can say his name. Nah. nah. <laughs> 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 um, you know, uh, when, once in one of our conversations, I said, you know, the the two types of people in this world that that get the most press, I think, uh, you know, are warriors and diplomats. Mmm. Break that down for me. So you have the warriors who are the people who. You know, they're, they're, these are the people on, on polar ends of the spectrum. Yeah. You know, the people who, you know, use um, use aggression to fight their battles. Um, but then you have people who, in another way, their aggression is for um, common ground. Okay. And they clash. They, they you know, warriors feel that diplomats are too slow and, and you know, they, they feel that they're lukewarm and, and noncommittal and diplomats feel like they're, you know, warriors are just too rash and, and they create so much harm. When the truth of the matter is, you know, again, an intersectional person like myself is like, we need both. We need both. Yeah. You know, uh, so I'm busy trying to figure out even <laughs> how, how do we, how do I get the warriors to love the diplomats? Mm. Uh, and I can only do that. A couple at a time. Okay. And that's why it's so slow. I see what you're saying there. Because I think about when people talk about movements like Black Lives Matter. And they talk about people who are in the streets saying we need to burn it down. And we need to flip cars. And some people's lives might need to be taken. And we have people who might academically write about liberation. Or who might believe in nonviolence totally. And the end game really is the same is liberation, but it's hard to reconcile the difference in perspectives of the path to get there. Correct. Correct. Without thinking somebody's a coward or somebody is going to mess it up for everybody. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's, and it's tough because, 
you know, dualism being, you know, being on those two ends of the spectrum is sexy. Mm-hmm. Like, it, you know, it, it's quantifiable. It's it's packageable. Yeah, that's uh, real. But the intersection is nebulous. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 that's the reason why I I'm starting to why I love this youngest generation because they're willing to be in that space and they're they're willing to tell us old heads like, look, you know, where's all of this dualism getting you? Yeah. <laughs> And I think that dualism is a process that sometimes comes with age. We're socialized into it. I think you come in the world understanding that it's complex and you experience wonder and childlike appreciation for difference and different things, but you get socialized and sometimes really quickly into it's one thing or another, you know, it's this or that. I think it gets cut and dry sometimes. Yeah, it's, it makes things quantifiable, which for whatever reason, we got a we got a value for that. Well, humans <laughs> hate dissonance. Like we just don't like the way it feels in our bodies and our brains don't like it, you know. And so I understand why people think it's uncomfortable. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't be able to manage your discomfort. And I think we struggle in our like the generations that may be further along than we are in age struggle with how to manage their emotional discomfort. Mm-hmm. So they just do the thing that's most comfortable. Yeah, and socially acceptable. Mm-hmm. You know, because, you know, and we're, we're talking from a westernized perspective. You yeah. know, I would wonder, um, you know, is there a same philosophy, you know, with other cultures and other parts of the world? Mm. Yeah. And, um, you know, another thing about dualism, it's easy to get people to, to get on the bandwagon. You know, how many cultures, if just left untouched, you know, from, you know, kind of this industrial, um, in, industrial dualism type of culture would just be just fine without us. You know, yeah. that's why for me, it's always, again, the empath speaking, why it's so heartbreaking when you hear about, you know, another indigenous culture um, that's been destroyed because of, um, you know, industrialization or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, Cause it's like, they were doing just fine. Mm-hmm. You, know? <laughs> you know, they were doing just fine without us. You know, they probably live into 130. Right. And, and here we come like, Nope, you need a car. <laughs> you need TV <laughs> marketing. Like <laughs> you need capitalism and you quote unquote democracy. To lie. Right. <laughs> Cause don't this look good to you? Like, yeah. <laughs> And I don't want to romanticize other people's indigenous cultures to act like that's the only way to be. You know, I appreciate a lot of things about the world in which we live, but I feel where you're coming from wholeheartedly, where it's like, let people live as they are. If they want to figure out something else, allow them to do that. Well, you know, the the Socrates and the story about the creatures in the cave, you know what I mean? Like somebody left the cave. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Well, we we can rock with that one. Yep. What identities and others do you sometimes struggle to love? Mm, what identities and well, I, I think we hit on that. You know, uh, yeah, people who are intolerant. Mm, mm-hmm. um, I just, you know, I, I just don't get it. Uh, I mean, I, I, I get it because you know people want to accrue power yeah. uh, and and the safety and the. You know everything that that quote unquote comes along with that, um, but uh, 
you know, call it idealist. It's just when it has to be at the um, the expense of others, that's tough. Mm-hmm. And I know it, you know, they're, they're blurred lines and one person's justice is another person's injustice. And one person's patriot is another person's terrorist. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that intolerance is, is just, it, it, it just, it, it grates against my soul. Yeah. Yeah. I was watching this leader of a white supremacist organization that he calls alt-right. And yes. he was talking about, he was like, I'm, I like privilege and I like power and dominance. And I was like, you know, I can really actually respect you just for saying that verbally, <laughs> you know, because a lot of people operate in that and try to be, I don't know, like a wolf in sheep's clothing. Like, no, it's not about competition or it's not about dominance or it's not about me having power when in fact it is. So I, even though yeah. I disagree totally and understand that grading nature of like, how dare you? be so intolerant. I respect a person that says, no, I'm doing this for power because I want that. And that's a value of mine. I would like to maintain these privileges and you have to get it how you live. Mm-hmm. Right. And I mean, uh, you know, I think there are a lot of people who authentically, you know, in their own groups say the exact same thing. It's mm-hmm. just that some group have more power than others. Yeah. To actually, yeah. <laughs> to, to actually make that other people's reality. That's that's what breaks my heart, I think, most when I think about people who have multiple marginalized identities and they are so desperate to hold on to whatever little bit of power they might have that they would really cut off the leg despite them, like just disown a community or distance themselves from whatever could further their marginalization or could promote liberation for more people because they want to maintain that once tiny thin slice of the privilege pie right. right but they don't like it being done to them indeed. Yeah. indeed so my final question what do you love most about you mm, I would say and I've had to grow into loving this okay um But uh, my ability to, my capacity to love widely. Mm. Um, What made that a growth process to grow into loving that? uh, Well, it's 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 just countercultural, you know. Where it's just really uh, a lot of people have just real stark lines. Even people that that love say. You know, oh, but if someone did this or or this activity, which is especially heinous, um, you know, in their in in their opinion or countercultural, that there is a certain level of of, of hate and disdain, and um, it takes it takes the world um, for me to get to that point. Like forgiveness is really just a core principle of my nature. Um, also, is accountability, mm-hmm. but. Um, you know, I'm willing to offer forgiveness. Um, like I don't hold forgiveness for hostage. Okay. Uh, I I I love, and I even aim to transform through through love. Um, but that's something that I thought was very weak of me. Hmm. How'd you come up. to learn that? 
to how'd I come to learn that that was weak, and then how'd you come to learn that it was a strength later on? Oh, because loving everybody gets you punched in the mouth. Mm. Uh, <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> you like, oh, ooh, your love hurt. Um, <laughs> oh, that's not love. Uh, you know, and again, a, a lot of times when we want something from someone else, we we give it freely to someone. Um, you know, and even the Bible says never cast your pearls on the swine. Uh, but, and, and people don't know what to do with it. They don't, you know, they don't know how to honor it or even how to reflect it. Mm. Uh, so there's a choice, uh, there's a choice that has to be made to love unconditionally. Um, and it's hard. Uh, you know, it's, you know, one of the groups that I support is, um, returning neighbors, meaning people who are returning from, uh, prison. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I like to use the term, um, returning neighbors because, you know, I mean, if we want them to be, you know, their citizenship mm-hmm. isn't guaranteed. So returning citizen, even though that's what we ascribe to, it doesn't right. mean that they'll get it. Um, you know, what does it mean for someone to authentically be your neighbor uh, and to to welcome them, you know, as your neighbor? Yeah. Uh, and the truth be told, you know, oh, yeah, that's a great idea until we start digging into what the offense was. Mm. And if it's something that goes against your core. Um, you know, it's like, well, no, not them though. Yeah. You know, uh, and you know, I'm one of those people that I just have the ability to to separate the act. Um, you know, and, and people are like, well, what if it happened to you? I'm like, sometimes, some circumstances, it has happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, but I just, I, I think that there's power in it. Uh, I think that there's long term reden- redemption. Uh, and you know, we were talking about. You know, just a couple minutes ago, talking about like the alt right people, and uh, and not even alt right people, but the people who the pseudo alt right, the wolves mm-hmm. in sheep clothing. You know, I even with them believe that this is a snapshot of who they are. Mm, okay, they that's who they are in that moment, and you know, all it could take is you know a grand a mixed grandchild or you know some experience um, to help you know, uh, to help expand their, their view, uh, you know, and I just believe, you know, I mean, maybe not everyone, but I believe that there's a lot of them that, you know, through exposure, through, uh, life experiences that they actually do, um, become, they do, their eyes open up to seeing people as full human beings. Mm. Um, And I love that because when I do see, it's like watching flowers blossom. When I see that happen, uh, I feel like my purpose on this world, you know, I I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm contributing to what the core of existence is supposed to be. Got it. So. Is that something that came to you as a result of your identity as a Christian or is it something that for you felt pretty inherent from as far back as you can remember? It's inherent. Uh, you know, it's it's funny. My my daughter is just like me. Which one? Uh, my oh, my eldest daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, sh- she's just a deep empath, mm-hmm. and I lament for her because I know the pain that she's going to experience. Mm-hmm. I fear for her because I know the the opportunities to be harmed because of being so vulnerable and being a woman uh, that could be in her experience. Um, and you know, it's, 
I, I'm I'm still working to, even though I can celebrate it in myself, figuring out how do I celebrate it in her in a way that's affirming and still protecting her. Mm. There's the whole conundrum of everything we've been talking about today. Um, so it's tough. Yeah. And then what does protecting her even mean, you know? Right, 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 right. Well, are there any things that we didn't have a chance to talk about that relate to this conversation that you want to leave the listeners with? Um, I want to say, you know, at the end of the day, I think, like, I personally believe that, you know, our beginning and end is already written. Mm, mm-hmm. The you know the 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 beginning point and end points they're they're there. Everything we do in the middle is 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 up to us. And if we want it to be in knots and and hills and bumps and and crevices and you know uh, ebbs and flows, you know that that that's all. How bumpy and how rough that road is is, is really due to our own actions. Mm. So, um, I want to offer people to to know that. It's okay. You know, sometimes we feel that, you know, oh man, I only have one time to make this first impression or, you know, all these mistakes. Your destiny is your destiny. So, so go for it. You know, if you choose, if you choose love, there is an opportunity for you to still end up in in that right space. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think people are afraid that if they choose love, that they're going to lose out. Um, yeah, and lose out on what? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's this nebulous thing. You know what I mean? Like people are, people are trying to protect something that in my opinion, they have no control over. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, uh, so we live these stressful, harmful lives to ourselves and others when, you know, the destination's already planned. So, you know, love is a choice that you can choose, even yeah. if you think you can. And that there's some benefit on the journey to choosing love every time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I believe. I do too. That's why this project is so dear to me. Because I think if we choose love, even when it's difficult, even when it's terrifying, mm-hmm. and it sometimes is, that that it cultivates our courage and it builds something inside of us that I don't have the language for yet. I really don't. I mean, I don't know if you've ever destroyed anything. I mean, it can be fulfilling. <laughs> <laughs> like when you pop those little things, those little bubble wrap things or something like that. <laughs> but if you've ever built anything. Mm-hmm, that's what I'm going through now. Woo. If you've ever built something and then you know leave from it and come back and it's being sustained you know not even by you but by by something else oh man it's it's just an affirmation of how your spirit can exist you know mm-hmm. well after you uh in a way that brings even more life uh and some some may argue that they get the same thing from destruction but um i don't know i personally feel that you know building something that gives life uh, it's just, it, it suits your soul better. Gotcha. 
Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today and share your perspective and who you are. Thank you so much. And I would just say, you know, shameless ploy. Uh, if you or your, uh, or you know, your your young adult uh, is someone who is engaging their intersectionality, um, please consider me. Okay. Uh, a lot of what I do is helping people navigate and to figure out uh, what's the next step. And I operate from this philosophy, which has been given to me by one of my mentors, that we have everything we need mm. to the next faithful step. So um, that's what I do. I help people figure out what's that next faithful step. Where so, can they find you? They can find me on Twitter at Vision Plus. Um, that's um, B-I-S-I-O-N um, P-L-U-S Plus. How do you spell plus? P-L-U-S-E-D. <laughs> um, or you can find me uh, at Align Performance um, online, alignperformance.com. All right. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. To connect and contribute, go to howtolovehuman.com. For more episodes, find Dr. Candace Nicole on SoundCloud and iTunes. If you like the show, leave a five-star review. Thank you, and see you next week. How to love a human.